cycling has given me so much mm-hmm. and it has helped build so many amazing relationships uh, globally for me yes actually yes. it's a very deep deep and giving i'm sure and so there's nothing like going through an experience and sharing that experience with somebody else like because yes. it's not there's never exactly the same experience but there's reference there's yep. like stuff you get to reference together Hey guys, welcome to the Overcome Cafe, tales of mind, body, and relationships. The one and only podcast that serves as a guidepost for driven people trying to reach their goals while keeping a healthy lifestyle. Are you an athlete or a professional who's considered driven but feels that this sometimes comes at a cost? Do you want to reach your goals but want to maintain a healthy lifestyle? Having a purpose and being goal-driven is like a marathon. In sharing our knowledge, we want to encourage folks by helping them build momentum via our collective wisdom. This is the Overcome Cafe, tales of mind, body, and relationships with your hosts, Matt Search and LP Landry. Hey guys, LP Landry here this week. This is a great example of us showing up when we're not 100%. I am fighting off a cold this week. And I'm hoping that this won't uh, impede your listening too much. This week's episode is our last of the prequel to a collaboration with Matt Search. This is just the interview that keeps giving and giving. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear what Matt has to say. And as you can tell, uh, this conversation gets deeper and deeper and with each question with each conversation so i'm so excited for you guys to join us today and have the last episode of prequel to a collaboration part well just prequel to a collaboration and this is the part three i thought they would this would be a great trilogy for you guys so hang on guys this is uh this is a great way we're ending on a bang this week thank you for listening and enjoy to do it here. yep not everywhere is the same nope but here a lot of the time it's beautiful yeah and it's beautiful every uh season, season. of the year yeah winter is crazy cool in its own <laughs> way and challenging in its own way yes. but also not as bad as you might think no that's it which is neat cause if you, you look home. at the stereotypical yeah. even like eastern uh, western uh like vancouver uh, british columbia but even western america they think of us as igloo people they do with boardwalks with literally wood they so do think that. they do think that of us oftentimes yes. Yes. that's a generalization but yeah. it's still funny because actually it's very nice and vancouver and san francisco they're not that different it's just that there's palm trees in san francisco and yeah. vancouver has those big like killer evergreen trees there yeah so yeah but the the weather, the people, and even the emotional message when you walk in those cities, it's very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Like, I believe that the our emotions carry something that gets transmitted. I believe in the bigger part of self. So I studied at St. Paul's University. I did my master's in spiritual counseling. So that's that's interesting. When you talked about spirituality earlier, I'm like, oh, man, like how we're... The people matter. How we're taught about the bigger part of us matters. Like a guy post again. Yeah. So when we come back to that, it's like I, I go in Vancouver, I go in San Francisco, and I find similarities in, in people, the way they approach you, the emotions that they carry. Some parts of the world, and understandably so, and I'm not trying to overgeneralize. I'm just saying like in a normal like, affect meta communication type of approach or culture in every area it's like we carry something emotionally communicate something yeah i go to edmonston new brunswick where i was born and the faces of people are not the same as <laughs> downtown ottawa rush hour because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the rush hour is a very angry moment in ottawa mm-hmm. people are frustrated they want to go home that was my reason for letting go of my car and it's like no, I want to take my bike instead because that experience, which you're talking about, yeah. which I'm tying it in, is 
there was a freeing experience to this. Yeah, that's real for me. Me sitting in the in my car listening to a radio. I love podcasts, but after a while, sitting in traffic and feeling frustrated and listening to a podcast versus taking my bike and listening to a podcast, the experience is totally different. It's radically different. Totally different. Yeah. So uh, there are a few different threads that come to mind as you're speaking there. One of them about sort of place and and cultural sort of emotional dynamics. Yeah. It reminds me of a book that one of my favorites of all time. It's by uh, David Abrams. It's called The Spell of the Sensuous. Oh, I never heard. I heard of the author, not the book. Okay. He has, I believe, two books. Coincidentally, uh, I bumped into my mom uh, yesterday as I was walking uh, kind of home. I was working uh, away from home yesterday. And uh, she lives, you know, you know, a couple kilometers from me. Right? Oh, cute. So she was walking. Love it. And so I, we were walking together and my mom is a, a, a massive reader. Um, <laughs> she mentioned that she had picked up a, a copy of that book, which she knew was one of my all-time <laughs> favorite books and she had been reading it. And she was oh, absolutely mind blown by this book. How did you feel right there? Very, very, I, it, it was, I felt very good to hear, like very happy to hear her say that. And that's because this is a book that is um, marginal. Mm. It, it's, not mm. a, it's not a bestseller book by any means. <laughs> it's on the fringe. I read it about 15 years ago okay. during my undergrad. I, I, it was pretty influential at the time because yeah. it kind of helped catalyze a bunch of different sort of you know, floating sort of sensibilities, you could say, or, or what intuitions, or I don't know. Um, <laughs> there was a lot going on at, the, at that time in my mind. Um, you know, reconciling Western philosophy and sort of some Eastern and, and like rationalism, like Cartesian rationalism yeah. and stuff, which was yeah. a big beef for me. Um, yet at the same time, uh, super fascinated by um, like Descartes' work on... Uh, automata which yeah. are the first robots yeah. in artificial intelligence and all yeah. these and and all these different there's a lot of different swirling things and this I never, is where I was, you're gonna uh, yeah. complete me more because they cut i know of the essentially my introduction to philosophy class there yeah okay. so well yeah and, and for another and, and i know another, he influenced us a lot that we don't know <laughs> that's again. the thing you 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 have it nailed this is my my thing is as somebody who was um I didn't go into university as an environmentalist. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have identified that way. I was a young person who had spent a lot of time in forests and I appreciated being there. Yes. For some I reason. That. For some, I, 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 didn't, yeah. I didn't intellectualize that. Yeah. Um, an interesting sort of um, vector here is that mountain bikers in that period were um, the, on the shit list yeah. for hikers. In this area and many other areas, Sierra <laughs> Club, for example, was trying to ban mountain biking from trails in the whoa, United States. Whoa! And their idea was, uh, "This is ours. You can f off." Yeah. They didn't have a sense of um, collaboration being necessary to fend off industry. Wow. They didn't have that sense. Wow. They should have had that sense, but they were too myopic in their thinking. Yes. Us against them, yes. as if the them was mountain bikers. Yeah, yeah. This is very wrong-headed in my perspective. Yeah. Okay, fine. But, you know, maybe 25, 30 years ago... Can I, can I send a wrench in this? It's just course. so we, of course, open another door. But it's funny. I, I studied in a psychology... Sociological? No, psychology social. Social psychology yeah. at some point. And I love the concept because I, I, I ended up doing a lot of group therapy. That's how, that's why affect and meta communication is so important to me because I would have to come into a room and one of my, my mentors is, used to say, you should be able to be parachuted in the middle of a room, sit and have an understanding of what's happening in that group. Right. So that's a very applicable way of my sociology background. Yeah. So I'm going to throw you in the middle of a group and you're supposed to like figure things out. So you stay silent for a while, but I, another teacher told me that I, I talk too much. I, I have one mouth and two ears, and he's saying, you should listen twice as much as you talk. Okay. So I looked at him and I said, you know what? Wow, I better start listening more because I'm never going to stop talking. So I've learned to sort of listen while talking, talking yeah. to people. Yeah. So 
the cohesion part, which is a, a great piece on this. Uh, I studied a lot about the JFK or pigs type of situation because the internal cohesiveness dictated a huge decision. So a lot of yes people agreed with him, even though it was a bad decision. That we recognized later on it was a bad decision. Yeah. And also the internal, the intra group thing, like us versus them, it's funny because probably, and now I do mentalization-based therapy, which is essentially, am I trust, can you trust me enough to teach you something that about the, our culture? So you get to use it in a way that's functional for you. Yeah. So that's yeah. essentially trust and teaching. Yeah. So to augment the trust, probably there was a lack of trust somewhere in that group because they wanted to kick out another group. And the way to augment cohesiveness is to have intergroup competition. So if we have a tension between two groups, then we're in this group, group A, we think we are better than the other group because we don't agree with them. So let's all rally around this. But the thing is, oftentimes, if there's not enough trust within that group, it's like when we talked about narcissism earlier, humility is embracing our strengths and weakness, the holistic part of it, yeah. the total package. Yeah. So as soon as somebody's too cohesive, like, uh, like too close, it tells me that, oh, they don't trust. They're trying to overcompensate something. Yeah. So the out, because I had the same sort of phenomenon with snowboarding. Oh, I had this, this blue sticker that allowed me to do, use one ski, <laughs> not even the hill, but part oh, of a hill. I know. That, uh, that was funny. To people, to kids today, that story would seem incredulous, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what do you mean? Like people would hit you with their poles because you're on yeah. a snowboard? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I had 50 skiers surround us because and <laughs> try to destroy our snowboard park because there, there was an accident with a snowboarder and a skier the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Sorry, um, I, I went off a tangent with a, that one, but that's... But that's... No, I, I mean, the the dynamic that you're sort of generally sort of characterizing there... I think is applicable in the case of say Sierra club in the United yeah. States, but also specific groups within, within Canada mm. and within our locality as well. The, yeah. the way here. Um, and I think the fundamental sort of driver of a lack of trust, just from my own perspective here is just a, a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we tend to see that's across it. all sort of, uh, yes. domains, right. Well said. And so with cycling, with mountain biking, um, this hasn't gone away. Mm -hmm. Um, the disparity of speed between a person on a bicycle versus a walker, it's pretty extreme. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes a, a bike rider will, uh, you know, approach a, a hiker and s their speed will seem so crazy, mm -hmm. which translates into out of control, translates into dangerous. Yes. Right. And as a bike rider, when we're riding along, we see a hiker who is barely moving and mm -hmm. it's very easy to navigate around. Yeah. We are, we know when we're pushing it versus not pushing it. Um, so the, the risk dynamic, yes. the risk uh, relationship is way, way, way different, uh, based on those two perspectives. Yes. So the hikers totally. who, you know, so in the past had no awareness of mountain biking it was a new activity. Mm -hmm. They thought it was more like motorcycle riding than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so they just had a sort of a fear-based reaction saying, you know, this shouldn't be here. And then they would, they would basically tend to point to ecological reasons, <laughs> which were unfounded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and like they, they, it was an inverted uh, relationship actually. Yeah. Uh, especially when you, when you look at equestrians. So we, we had a period locally where there was a lot of tension. You mm. mentioned tension. I think tension can be generally, like I, I kind of like tension. Mm -hmm. um, just as yeah. conceptually, I, I like I like having tension in in the different dynamics and sort of um, relationships or whatever that I'm involved in because I find it's productive. Yeah. Because tension to me um, needs will often need some kind of um, resolution. Mm. Uh, like it's kind of like if I well can identify it, uh, well, there's something to do. Uh, to bring harmony into the the equation, yeah, and so this is both a positive uh, aspect of personality, I think, for me, and a negative, mm. because as you you'll know where I'm going with this, 
uh, I am uh, oriented around problem solving. Mm -hmm. It serves me really well, but it's a lens on reality. It's true. And so in relationships, uh, especially within family, Mm -hmm. um, there are times when family members will be experiencing something that's causing them uh, a lot of stress, uh, fear, uh, pain, whatever it is. And as somebody whose orientation is to analyze and to problem solve, um, this is uh, the wrong approach a yeah. lot of the time. <laughs> yes. And I've only learned that. Totally get I've it. only learned that in recent years because I've been, you know, I do, tr- I actively try to improve myself as a person. Yes. Uh, and so that's just another orientation is what are my weaknesses? And yeah. it's always been like this as an athlete. Yeah. And in and, and music, and, which I had to cut short, music too and writing and everything else. Where am I weak? That's where I have to put most of my energy. Uh, where I'm strong, I can, mm. you know, you know, I'll, fine. I'm, I'm strong already, but um, try to balance, right? Yeah. And uh, and in this domain, I've learned, okay, yes, while uh, when I was 17 presenting to my music class, actually on co-op, what is it about? What am I doing? What am I learning? <laughs> the thing that I focused on was problem solving. I remember this. <laughs> I, I, I said, like, this job is so great because I pretty much just get to problem solve all day. Yeah. Because bike bike work then was very much repair. Yeah. It wasn't like today. Yeah. And we built wheels yeah. and we fixed things. <laughs> we fixed and we I made parts yeah. to fix things. You wow. Know what I mean? With wow. a file and with a with yeah, a grinder yeah. and like, you know. It was, was an actual shop. It was an actual shop. Yeah. It was an actual shop. And so uh, when I conveyed, you know, what stuck in my mind. As I conveyed to my classmates, what am I doing? What am I learning? Why do I like it or not like it? Mm. I said, ah, oh, it's so much problem solving, like all day long, just different things. Yeah. And I really like it. Okay. Well, evidently that was a, a resonance, you know, yeah. with some kind of, you know, hardwired disposition. Um, and also my personal history, right? Problem yeah. solving was valuable to me. Yes. Uh, as totally. somebody in situations that required problem solving yeah. to get out of, you know, a bad potential demise you know um okay so when you when you identify that and then reinforce that yeah you know you look what you do is you now have a sensitivity to opportunities where you can build that Mm, capability or that's so good thing is like as a problem solver you're not just like good at problem solving yeah there's all kinds of like subs there's skills that that equate to being a problem solver yes and so now you're looking for or you're honing in on or you're grasping opportunities to build those skills because you want to be better at solving problems yeah and so in philosophy it's problem solving like that's 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 it that's the job that's That's what you're doing i like that yeah and it's a closed system so this you're going to find this interesting i think um in philosophy (laughs) um when you do when you do work as an undergrad uh a lot of what you're going to have to do is take a text and work it okay so you're gonna you're gonna read it many times mm-hmm. step one try to understand it yeah. step two um try to you do exegesis so yeah. that's you know you're gonna you're gonna have to explain like what are the elements and what work are they doing mm. uh, what are they for mm-hmm. right like so that's kind of deconstructing and being able to articulate this is what so the go to the source do. and extrapolate what the, what they can do essentially yeah, yeah. Right? is that it yeah it's 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 a it, it's sort of a, a process of identifying the key elements like okay. of the yeah. argument yeah right? what are the premises yeah right? and and how are they working together to build and support a conclusion? Mm. So that's kind of basic exegesis. Yep. But when you have questions, you know, you, you have a good prof is going to put to you questions that are going to really draw out some, some interesting sort of implications from the text, maybe. Uh, <laughs> or like, it's going to say, like, have they actually pulled this off yeah. effectively? Right? Yeah. And by the way, write that you have 300 words to do this. It's incredibly hard, <laughs> right? So difficult. You're, you're like, you're cutting, 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 so cutting. Number one, even understand that's hard enough. Yes. And then formulate answers that are quality. That's hard. <laughs> Number three, make it 300 words. That is next level. Yes. I enjoyed that, that kind of challenge. Macro though, what I learned was what helps me do philosophy is mm. that I work with a closed system. Yeah. Uh, so the, the text is all I need to do the work. Yeah. Uh, there's no question of whether I need another text to help me. <laughs> I never went to secondary texts to help me understand <laughs> primary texts. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm sure people do that. I did not do that. Okay. Because I, I would consider that cheating. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, yeah. And and everything is here. I so love, instead I love of that. taking energy and I going, am I missing anything? You know, like think of how the internet is today, where it's like <laughs> kids are crippled because it's too expansive. Yes. So they they don't want to commit to one yes. thing. Let's yes. say to even watch one video. Yes. Right? Oh no, skip track. You know, whatever. Yeah. In this, You're it's right. like, oh no, it's all here unequivocally i'm gonna just hit this hard and there's no excuses yeah like there's no doubt that hard work yeah it's just work it hard, hard work. work just put the That's time it. in and it's not and the focus isn't even actually uh just work harder mm-hmm. it's do the time <laughs> yes because what you learn in this is and it's the same when oh, high so what's the nuance between hard work and do the time so what's the nuance there uh so i think for you i, I think hard work is like try this concept of try harder okay so if you're talking physical it'd be like put more power into it in in academic mm. intellectual it'd be like think harder focus harder <laughs> what even is that <laughs> you know like what what is in a lot of the time it'll end up being you your question's really apt i think because a lot of the time harder work in in intellectual domain will be more hours yes. so it'll be like okay, well, it should only take this much time to write this paper, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do double that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, so I'm going to edit not five hours. I'm going to edit 10 hours because I want it to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you it's actually, not correlated that way. No, it isn't no. really. So no. like, you could say, oh, I worked so hard on that because you did a double, like double hours. Editing. You did a double shift. It's not really <laughs> harder work. It's more work. Yeah. Um, and you could you can think it's harder, yeah. right? But you're accomplishing from what ninety nine percent efficacy of editing to ninety nine point one. Yeah, like that last one percent, you're you, disproportionate amount of yes. time required, yes. right? I think equating hard hard work in intellectual versus physical, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to do. Um, but people, what I've seen, especially in language training, so yeah. in French, I had to do uh, a lot of work, a lot of months uh, in French for work okay uh, to meet requirements for my job yeah 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 which was a a great opportunity for me as i had said before Mm. as a pretty sad anglo uh you know (laughs) (laughs) i had some pretty disconcerting experiences in 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 paris and stuff with my wife um at a a point in (laughs) quebec etc right being out of it um anyway i had colleagues um in a group setting with training french uh, who who tried to just work harder? Mm. So in class we're all doing the same thing. Mm. Okay. However, they could add more work. Yeah. After, if we equate to to training and cycling, it would be like more energy output. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm gonna train. I'm gonna do two trainings today. Yeah. I'm gonna do uh, the morning four hours. Then I'm gonna do after dinner another three hours. So like, that's probably not productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the case of language training, cognitively, yeah. it was an overload. Yeah. So there that's was. It. I could see it. Because I saw them crack. Yeah. And I was able to go, wow, this is like, this is like, this is like physical training where you have, uh, you, you can do, you take on load and then you allow for recovery. You incorporate that load. That was our conversation while I was making coffee. Mike Woods. Oh yes. Translation, (laughs) translatable skills. There's nothing out of nothing, eh? One of the teachers that I didn't, I'm sorry, I'm saying again live. The other teacher I liked because he called me out on something and I knew it was for my good. Yeah. I was just snarky in my remark. That was it. Yeah. But another teacher I had, she, she used to say everything, everything is, is essential for therapy. Anything you talk about. So I was, I remember that teacher. I, I wasn't too fond of that teacher specifically. So I'm guessing she's never going to listen to this. But there was one teacher that I loved. The other teacher, I retained that from her though, because everything we talk about is it's linked somewhere. And we sort of sat sure. this morning. I was making coffee, talked about Mike Woods in a really like interested way of understanding how he got so good at cycling. Yeah. But essentially, you're confirming my hypothesis. Is the temperament? I call it like our spiritual fingerprint. We all have a temperament. Mm-hmm. It's neutral. Again, I'm pointing to the phone thing. Sure. It's neutral. Yeah. And with the good environment, then that temperament evolves into our personality. 
or in a bad environment still evolves in their personality yeah but in most environments are not <laughs> there's nothing perfect so nothing perfect and nothing perfectly imperfect on the both ends those are yeah. the two spectrums yeah but we're coming back to yeah. translate translating skill yeah that's what mike wood said i i sort of uh took the essence of that interview and he was saying like yeah i, I became good at cycling because i was good at a lot of other sports which is part of the story right and like he i think in 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 a he's been interviewed many times now yeah uh and I think one of the threads that doesn't necessarily get uh, explored a lot is his experience working in retail and also yeah. a bank. Yeah, that's uh, which true. Which proved to be very motivating. Yeah. And and this is a similar... Mike is on another level from me as an athlete, and I would never pre- pretend otherwise, and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, but but we're talking of, about temperament. We're yeah, not talking exactly. necessarily about... Exactly. That's the, that, that's that's the, the hard physical work. capability. Yeah, that's the hard work we're talking yeah. about, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. So on, and also on that sort of like you know mindset and this kind of thing, uh, and the experience. I think that the two of us had kind of a similar ex- experience with work mm-hmm. that was really productive. Yes. So Mike characterizes after running, having worked in a bank, and 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 feeling like it was kind of pointless and aimless. Yeah. Um, in in my experience, I think I had the good fortune of being able to work. You know, my first big. You know, I had ter- I had really, really, really like. <laughs> brutal jobs as i got a job as soon as i could as a kid yeah i was um maybe 11 yeah uh i couldn't get a job delivering the newspaper because mm-hmm. it was that was already occupied that's like the hot <laughs> job every kid wants yes. in the neighborhood so instead i got a job delivering flyers which was basically slave labor yes it's yes. really grotesque yes uh, and i, I remember the flyers thing gross and i was cutting uh lawns for mm-hmm. people i was shoveling snow in winter i was doing all the work i could because i needed money uh, to pay for hockey things, mm. I, like sticks. Mm-hmm. I'd, you know, mm-hmm. I'm always fixing my sticks because I was breaking them and like they were not good enough. This is part of why I became kind of oriented around equipment and yeah. performance and things that really matter. Yeah. That's why. I, and it makes sense. Yeah, like it's it's rooted in the function, not in anything otherwise. Um, so working and, and I got a job um, uh, at the library, the public library in grade nine. That's as early as they would give me a job. I got fired for talking to the girls too much, um, which was okay. Uh, I got a job at a warehouse at the earliest. So I was, uh, that was the year I was 15, 16. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, where you, uh, grocery distribution warehouse full time all summer. And that allowed me to buy my first proper mountain bike. Wow. Um, to enable racing without mechanical failure every race. Yeah. Uh, and I won my first race on that, that bike. Are you kidding? Straight up won. And then that was... What, what bike was it? Uh, it was the Korea. Rocky Mountain. The Rocky Mountain, yeah. yeah. It was used, but it was, it was uh, you know, special to me. Um, of course. So, so away I went. Um, but as I was working in bike shops, right, so since 16, uh, 17 years old co-op I began, uh, it was a dream job to me at that time. Yeah. Because I lived and breathed bikes. Yeah. That was my path. Um, after a couple or a few years of doing that, I started to get the sense that it was very repetitive. And, <laughs> and, and like I saw my boss at, at a shop, he was passionate when I met him. Yeah. And then he became a Bitter. lot less passionate about mm. cycling mm. and more passionate about other things. Like, okay. Like profit. Okay. I mean, it shifted. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and whatever else. Yeah. And so, and he also rode bikes less and less and less. I saw that in other bike shop owners that I knew mm. and employees who were becoming long haulers, mm. they were, they were brought to the business for the passion of, of the cycling. Yeah. And then that was getting squeezed out of them. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to, to maintain my passion for cycling because it was so important to me at yeah. the time for, for whatever reasons at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I saw that working in the shop was actually kind of at a contra yeah, uh, same, sort of, same experience yeah. for me. 19 years old, yeah. opened a snowboard shop. Wow. 19 years old. Oh my God. So uh, way too young, way too, but because of the passion. But the thing that people remember from that was the relational aspect. This, that My big yeah. takeaway from that, and I had sworn off business for the rest of my life. I'm like, never going to go back in business. Pandemic hits, I start a business Pivot. again. Yeah. I pivoted. Yeah. yeah. But the same thing, sort of, I had an assumption at that point, which is a very um, young assumption, I'll say it this way, that if 
I love snowboarding. Well, logically, an investment is opening a snowboard shop. Yeah. I'll bring that passion there. Of course. But it's not the same arena. It is not the same arena. Yeah. We are the same person, but the arena is way different. We're called to sell stuff. And yes, you take care of people. And I love that part. Like selling to clients was my best thing because I just, I wanted them to have the best product. Yeah. And the more unique product. Yeah. possible because everyone was writing the same snowboard yeah so i wanted them to have that, like this is the only one in town you'll be the only one with that snowboard in town <laughs> each time people were have this big smile on their faces yeah. loved it because i'm going to be the only one you're you swear yes you're going to be the only one with that snowboard i only ordered one of each size if you're not going to get the same color as the other one you're not going to get the same snowboard. And yeah. try finding that snowboard outside of Edmonton. I dare you. That was sort of the yeah. sales pitch, if if I put in quotations more. But I remember back then, I was like, man, I was on my 20 years old was the last year I competed. So I, I confessed that in an email to you. So the last time I competed was 20 years old. Uh, and I was, I realized I'm like, I'm doing less and less of what I love. And more and more of something else. Yeah. But the label is snowboarding. Yeah. But it was not the same arena. No. So you, you, we go in with this blindly approach of, I'm going to love this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is normal for young people. Yeah. Uh, we, we learn best by experience generally. Yeah. I think most of us. Um, <laughs> part, of the, part of the dynamic for me there was that I... Again, superficial versus material. Yeah. Um, I found it pretty irritating how reps um, were mm. all about a given product one year. Yeah. And then their parent company or who they, they work for dropped that brand and yes. picked up another one. Yeah. And now that's the best thing ever. Yes. And that other stuff sucks. Yes. And I like, you know, really. What is that about? You know, really? Like, mm-hmm. clearly, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, I, the reps generally were good at the process of selling, yes. um, but didn't really know product. No. And so when my, 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 my priority, um, I work sort of a lot front end sort of mechanic work where I interface with customers when they came in about mechanic work. Yes. Right. So evaluating what do they need? And then, so there's some selling of like required stuff. Um, and a lot of consulting, really, uh, yeah. because it is yes. like mount, a lot of totally. mountain bike technology around suspension and disc brakes coming in and all this stuff. And so because I was engaging, you know, using that kind of equipment mm. at a high level and a very demanding sort of level, um, I was a good resource for these people to, to figure out what they needed and how yeah. we could tune their stuff to make their stuff work. Yeah. That was valuable to me. Um as a contributor, right, yep. to the community. Again. And so I had relationships yep. that I built with customers. I had regular customers that I developed uh, from an early period who then followed me to the other shops I yep. worked because they trusted me. Yes. So you mentioned trust before. It was a different context. In this context, I came to value being trusted yes. as a mechanic, yes. as the ultimate sort of um, qualitative mm-hmm. uh, element of what I was doing. Yeah, uh, because as a, okay, you're you're working on stuff and it's kind of life and death. Yeah. If you screw up, your 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 client, your customer can, can die. Yeah, and on a mountain bike, yeah, it, very possible. They can die, and it's true with road bikes too. But like with mountain bikes, this stuff is kind of cutting edge. A lot of it. And it's not totally worked out, yeah. you know, and so it requires a lot of tweaking um, to get it to do what it's supposed to do yeah. uh, outside the, the margins, yeah. right? So like, oh, actually with this fork, you got to do this modification yada, yada, so that it actually doesn't blow up. That kind of thing. Yeah. I love yeah, yeah. doing that work and it, it's the stuff that helps build uh, trust in a relationship because you're working together with yeah. them. As this is not a dynamic of... Um, uh, capitalist sort of, you know, uh, money. Gaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is for me as the, the employee. That's not what I. It's not like yes, we have to make money and pay the bills, and yeah. But I want them to feel good about whatever they're paying totally. because there's value here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hate transactional stuff. Mm-hmm. It goes all, all my life. I'm like that. I hate <laughs> handing over money or being given money. Oh, really? Um, for transactions, hmm. I really am not comfortable it with makes that. Sense. Yeah, not at all. 
And so I'm not going to open that box. Yeah, so, yeah, we, Matt is probably looking at me and said, LP could open that box right now. I, I, I won't. I won't. There's a whole history there, and I'm aware and of it some make, of it. And it makes sense. Yeah. And so, okay, I don't like that, but I like to do the work and yeah. and 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 problem solve. Yeah. Right? Problem solve and set this person up to enjoy what they're doing in a way that I feel is sort of maximal, mm. you know, and because mountain biking is really hard. Yes. And there's a lot totally. of reasons to give up mountain biking. Yes. And you can have a bad experience one day and swear it off. Yes. Totally. And I had lots of bad experiences with equipment failures where I knew if this was somebody else right now mm-hmm. who was kind of just got into mountain biking, yeah. they'd be out. Yeah. They would pull the chute and they would be out and they would be sweared off. Yes. I knew that because like I, you know, plenty of times I went Bromont, first run, my bike explodes. I land on my <laughs> face, full face, you know, at, at I land least. first run, head plant. And Ouch. now the rest of the day I'm sitting around cause my bike is in f- three pieces. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I'm not even considering giving up mountain biking. No, I'm all in here. I'm like, why did it break? Okay. Well, I know why it broke. Okay, fine. What's, what other frame am I going to ride now? Yeah. That's, that's me. That's it. But another, somebody else might be like, F this. Yeah. I'm out. This is insane. Yeah. The whole and, day becomes like this cumulative, it's a one event, but all parts of that day, like waiting, like being hurt and sitting. Yeah. A lot of people who are not necessarily driven will give up. Yeah. That's a that's yeah. a great moment, and yeah. this is an example of the empathy we were talking about earlier. Like we when we addressed empathy, mm-hmm. you had empathy. It's perspective taking. You're like, okay, if it's somebody else right now, and trust is a a guidepost here because you yeah. want to build trust. Yeah. Then if it's somebody else right now, they would give up. Yeah. The sport that I love, because at that point it's your sport. You're doing yeah. downhill. Yeah, of course, you're passionate about yeah. this, but. When I'm looking at that, it's like, this is a great moment where we think empathy is one thing and we forget that it's mm-hmm. a tension again between emotions and cognition. Yeah, I like it. Thinking about yeah. the other person versus feeling. Yeah. So therefore, in the feeling part, it's resonating like the mirror neurons part. But the feeling part is, I see you and I feel stuff coming from you and I'm Even in my body, there's receptors that are getting activated because of that. Yeah. So we misconstrued the, the, the two. And there's there's a very... In, and so that's a nice link. It's a bridge to today, to yeah. today's era and this gravel stuff and what, you know, how and why and all that. But before taking the bridge over, on the, on the matter of receptiveness, right, of sort of these, what we say, these uh, maybe... Um, metaphysical you yeah. know sort of emotional uh, yeah. uh, wavelengths yes or if we can say characterize in some way like yes that. yes um totally I, i think i've i've come to decide to, to determine that um i'm not a very sensitive person uh in terms of um literally um uh the, the, the sense, sensation the sensation yes so yes. so i've i've come to understand and believe that humans fall on a spectrum yeah. in terms of sensitivity. Yes. You can care, you can block that into different categories of sensitivity. Of course. Of so course. one of like somatic sensitivity, right? The feeling in your body of external stimulus, mm. right? Um, it's light, it's sound, it's a taste, it's touch, right? Am I missing any? I don't think so. I think we got them. Yeah, I think we got the them. The senses, right? Yep. So you got them. Um, the background here is As I understand it, it's not my domain of expertise, if I have one. Um, <laughs> when we're born uh, as a baby, uh, we are receiving mm-hmm. uh, a huge amount of sensory information. Yes. And the brain is trying to make sense of that. Yes. So all of the senses are, uh, so light is brighter. Yeah. Um, uh, sound is louder. Taste is, taste is amplified. Yeah. Touch is amplified. Everything yeah. is amped up. Yeah. And as, as a brain develops in a person, uh, there's a process. This is just my rendering. Yes. There's a process of pairing away of um, the, the, the sensory input. Yes. So essentially, if we have a console with dials, mm-hmm. and one of them is the brightness dial, yeah. it turns down. 
Yeah. So it goes, no, no, that's too much. We don't need that much. And sound <laughs> turns down. For every individual, those dials get turned down wow. to a, a different degree. You're right. So certain individuals like will wind up being on a spectrum more sensitive after that period of paring down mm -hmm. and others will be less sensitive. Yeah. I think I speculate that the, that result, um, is driven to some degree by yes, genetics, but also, um, sociology experience. Yes. experience. Yes. Um, so there might be a lot of light there might be a lot of actual on it on a quantifiable <laughs> sort of level yeah right not not rel relative yeah there might oh it would be relative uh there might be a <laughs> lot of input like let's say fighting yeah. parents let's yes. say you're an infant and your parents yeah. are fighting very yeah. loud yes and so as an infant you go whoa 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 let's turn that down yeah let's turn that down uh because you have a lot of repetitions right yes uh let's turn that down and what if you're what if you're falling down a lot as a as a child, mm -hmm. and so your body, brain's like, well, shit, that hurts. Like, yeah. let's turn that down a bit. Yeah. The nerves, right? Let's turn yeah. that down a bit. Um, or you're getting abused physically. Yeah. yeah. Now let's turn that down. Yeah. Okay. Like that's well, that's happening a lot. Like we don't. That's not productive. Yeah. Let's turn that down. Um, and so you you wind up somewhere on that spectrum. Yes. Um, by comparing to my children. I've mm -hmm. spent a lot, especially through COVID, yes. to my wife, yes. right? We all have our own histories, our own genetics and everything else, but yeah. we're, I'm related directly by blood. To <laughs> um, I, I've come to sort of, and learning about more of this, the, the cognitive development stuff, which is an area of interest. Um, I've placed myself on the less sensitive end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. My wife, in contrast, is on the way, way sensitive end of the spectrum. Yes. So this is kind of helpful to to uh to to understand yes uh the you know the spectrum itself yes uh and so for this reason like crashing for example yeah it doesn't bother bother me as much as some people no i get that yeah i get that now in, in a new way yes right pain the pain of riding and doing it to myself basically most of the time i have a positive valence on that mm -hmm. because i choose that yes generally yes. i choose that yes and i'm in a position to be able to choose that so intellectually i go fuck i'm in a pretty special position here yeah like i am so privileged as a human that for fun yeah. i can choose to do something that really hurts yeah for fun yeah That's like <laughs> okay like so in races like later like this wasn't so much early but as i was more sort of mature as a person later mm. in, in life you know, in situations like a, a given race, there was a one of these points, right? An inflection point where in the final of a race, Almont-Rubé race, which I really wanted okay. to win. I hadn't won it yet. <laughs> I was in a position to win it with the the, 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 the guys, the five of us off the nice. front of the race. Nice. And I was worried because I was like, how am I going to win this? But how am I going to win? Because of who they were. So there are guys who were like, uh, at least two of them were definitely better sprinters than me. And that's what would be required. Yeah. And I realized, well, dude, like, why are you worried about this? Like you chose to be here doing this thing for fun and you were in the best position you could basically possibly be in right now mm -hmm. in this thing. Could you have dreamed of a better scenario actually than being in the final selection of the five guys in a position relatively equally fresh where you can do any number of things in a, in a bid to win. That's like, so be good. Be serious. Like yeah. this is not about, Oh my God, now I'm going to lose. It's like, Oh my God, I have an opportunity to win. Yeah. I just have to like figure out the best move to give me the best shot at winning. Yeah. And that's awesome. That was, that was what, yeah. was, like there was, I could tell you where even this happened on a map, you know, like that was a realization for the first time. So it was not fear-based. It nope. was sort of positive uh, and opportunity-based, yes. uh, yes. you could say. Yeah, yeah. And, and I chose to do a move uh, that was bold. Um, it was a good move. And the only reason I didn't win off that move was because one of the guys reacted about half of a second soon enough. Yes. If he had, if he had waited half of a second, I would have won. Yes. That would have been it. That's it. And, and the thing is... It, that's awesome to me that's awesome it it's doesn't a matter combination of sensory and analytics at that point yeah 
which is which is part of a transition through uh, building capacity and yeah. capability physically yeah. to get to the point where you can now do this racing thing at a level where you're engaged intellectually and tactically and now you're doing the chess thing yeah. you're doing the bike chess thing which is the most <laughs> fun thing uh, it's the most fun thing it doesn't matter what the format it's is. it's a joyful me. moment let's it's be a, honest it is it's full of joy it's like so cool yes and so part if we link now the bridge the the, the concept of like okay problem solving and understanding that folks like are more sensitive to adversity or to things going wrong yeah i know that i'm on this spectrum where like i'm less sensitive to that I'm all in for this thing because I've had so many positive experiences. <laughs> I, I have a sense of the spectrum of awesome and joyful that cycling. Yes. I've, I've really absorbed a lot of that over 30 years. And so I get that, but I get that a lot of people aren't there. Mm-hmm. They haven't had that. They're newer or they've had a more constrained experience of the sport, no. sport the yeah. lifestyle. And it's been generally positive maybe. And they haven't gotten into a whole lot of shit, perhaps. Yes. And so their durability is not the same as mine. Yeah. And there's like if they follow along the conventional sort of storylines yep. and narratives and yep. marketing of cycling, which portray it as gorgeous, like hot, like gorgeous, hot, like mm-hmm. sexy, like you know, flashy. And like all the superficial stuff of cycling. Yes. Like look how cool this blingy bike is where it's perfect. Yes. You know, everything's perfect, right? Yes. A lot of the time. Yes. And the curated images on our social media. Cur- all the curated stuff. Yeah. I see it. I get it. I understand the function. Yeah. But I also see it as misleading, mm-hmm. right? To people who are relatively uninitiated. Others are jaded yeah. and they see it and they go, trash. So yes. they just throw it all out with the yes. baby goes with the bathwater. Yes. But the majority see it and go, Ooh, that's pretty dope. Like mm-hmm. that looks cool. I yeah. want to be part of that. Yeah. With that comes a vulnerability. Yes. I think. Uh, You're right. In, in the case of of things really just going wrong, which is the reality of cycling. Yes. It's part of what makes cycling awesome. And my, if it's not a fear, but it's a concern because again, cycling has given me so much, mm-hmm. and it has helped build so many amazing relationships uh, globally for me. Yes. Actually, yes. it's a very deep. And giving, I'm sure. And so, there's nothing like going through an experience and sharing that experience with somebody else. Like, because it's not. There's never exactly the same experience, but there's reference. There's like stuff you get to reference together. Yes. And this is what we're. I've been doing. We've been doing today together. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, you're sharing your experience with me. I'm pulling out uh, out of my experience, which that thing I think is similar to yours. Yeah. Or at least I, I relate to you. I, it's not different. Yeah. That well, it's much. like rapport. Rapport. Right. That's it. And so with... And you've uh, built those relationships. I have. And I absolutely will say, and this will be, I'll be saying this for the rest of my life, like the most memorable and special experience I've had with cycling have been where things have gone crazy. Yeah. The, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Things have gone way off the rails in some way. And we, it's not about me. It's a weenus. I think it's. I think it's got to be nine nine point nine. Yeah, it's been about. We have sorted it out. We yes. have figured it out. Dealt with it. We yes. have gone through it yes. together. And I, to some people, perhaps listening, that that might sound like he's saying the thing that he thinks people thinks think he should say. You know, like the right <laughs> thing to say. I don't care. Like it yeah. is absolutely the truth of the matter. And I think it gets sort of like washed away because a lot of the social stuff that people like me have to put out are like, it, 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 it's individual. Yeah. It's like, oh, and Brandon Bastard's the one person. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, it's about me. Yeah. And, um, okay. And the photos from race is like, it's yeah, of yeah. me, you know, but actually the most fundamental experiences have been with my, my friends. Yeah. And something or many things have gone very wrong Mm. and we've gotten through it. It's from just as basic as, you know, one of the guys being absolutely cracked on a ride, Mm. which means just unable to really produce power. That's it. That's it. And we had to, it was an event, but like not a, not a particularly competitive thing, but a a team squad thing, which is something that we have explicitly developed Mm. in this region. We have basically introduced that, approach to cycling events and um and try to 
sort of popularize that because yeah. of the value that some of us see in that versus individual. There's enough Total, opportunity for totally individual right. striving, mm -hmm. um, but the group approach has been kind of left to wither yes. in cycling, at least in our region. Yes. Uh, so it's about how can you accomplish the hard thing that's satisfying by leveraging the strength of your group, yeah. you know, which is not just about physical ability. No. Nope. It might be very much about personality. Yes. So your weakest rider might have the strongest, most positive personality yeah. that brings just as much to the group as the strongest physical rider. You're totally right. And I agree. We, we have literally that dynamic in, in one of our one of our squads of guys. Yes. Um, and we can talk about it another time. So, you know, we've had situations where there have been uh, physical failures, you know, and we literally pushed our guy for 80 kilometers. Yeah. We physically wow. pushed him. Wow. In a form, like, and Insane. we finished together. We got him there and we got there together and we're like, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. And it's not the only time. Like, there's been more than one occasion when we've had to physically push a guy and that guy has had the humility to allow it to happen. Yes. Which is totally awesome. Like oh. I, I have so much respect for that. Yes. Um, characters who, who, you know, have too much ego yes. in a conventional sense. Yes. And can't get over themselves, generally don't fit in our group of writers. It makes total sense. And if I, if I have the strongest ego, that's strong enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I like yeah, yeah. stronger more than me is probably going to be too much. Yeah. You know, I actively try to like manage myself. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the threshold. Yeah. Uh, but we've had so many things go wrong over the years. It happens every year. There's something, you, know, <laughs> you do something and go sideways. And that's what you remember. Yeah. And that's what you learn from. This is where the from. people regroup. Together. Yeah. And we go like, and when we talk about it. There's an event we did in, in it was uh, New England. It was uh, New Hampshire more than a decade ago <laughs> and it comes back up every year we went through I love a, that. A, a crazy rain and hailstorm. a local guy oh, hit by man. lightning and killed whoa during that storm it was a trial and we got through it we lost one guy because his tire was destroyed and there was no way around it it was a team yeah. it was actually a team race yeah in fact um, so we were out of the competition, but we had to complete the day together and we just went through everything, a, a storm. And then the sun came back out and like a local got hit and we were in, wearing garbage bags because it was, it was so cold. Intense. It was wild. And that was one of the best days ever. That was one of the best days ever. Cycling. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I totally won, get it. I've won races and stuff that I like barely even, I don't even yeah. know how many times I won. This sounds totally cocky and like loser asshole thing to say but i don't remember how many times i won elmont roubaix yeah because i've won it more than more than once <laughs> yeah and less than four times I, I i don't know what that number is yeah and i don't even remember how the final went down a few times even maybe when i won i don't remember <laughs> but i remember these other things that were crazy yes we did together yes and the thing is we our crew like a core yeah. folks who we you know ride in our club for example have that depth of experience with cycling mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. things can go crazy and they're not giving up on cycling. No. Um, and so as all these new riders are coming in and gravel is a new discipline, yeah. it's complicated Yeah. and it's way, <laughs> way more risky than it seems I know. on the internet. I totally, totally agree. Right. Totally agree. And so the exposure that you get into, um, and this of course crossed over into winter, Yeah. like there's a delta here, yeah. um, or it's, it's a it's a nexus really here where like my interest in in technology, it's about supporting doing these great things, yeah. like making them possible because yeah. we rely on this stuff. Yes, and totally. and I when I write about these things in a technical way, I call it's this I call that matter. Yeah, it's a it's yes. a, it's a yes. double meaning, right? Yeah, it's like because it's the material stuff, but it's also like what actually matters yeah. because the color of your equipment doesn't matter no. <laughs> when, when you're in, ex, you're exposed on a ridge line or something Yes, and like your bike either does exactly what it needs to do at that or moment. you die. That's it. At that moment. And that's it. I've been in that ex like two years ago in France Whoa. with my buddy Scott from Ottawa and our yeah. and friend Nico from France. We were literally riding on a trail. That's a single track. They had exposures 
Wow. And, and we had to cover 12 kilometers of this, which was kind of like not expected. <laughs> and way past the point of no return. We're going point to point. And we had to get there wow. by before dark. Okay. Up and, and over and the, of course, the and bat- that'll make a huge difference. It's not like... No, no, it's exactly. And no, it's like, it's, this is about okay, a macro. This is about like, we are not doing this thing against nature. Mm-hmm. We are doing this thing in yeah. and with and in concert with nature, the natural totally world. Totally well said. The, yeah. the, the ideal is to learn to understand yes. the natural environment yes. of which we are part. We influence and vice versa. And to work with it yes. in a, harmo- a harmonic, uh, harmonized way. Yes. Right. It's not to dominate. Yes. And this goes to Descartes. Descartes, what he brought to the West was a sense of domination of yes. nature. Yes. Yes. And this totally. is anathema to me mm-hmm. because I have, you know, happened to understand. I think that um, we have created mm-hmm. uh, a lot more than we have uh, problems. I'll call it create yeah. a lot more problems than we yeah. have solved yeah. through that approach. That's so true. Right. So uh, I have ethical issues with that. And, you know, that plays out in different ways. Um, but when it comes to cycling, if you're, if your orientation is domination, mm-hmm. well, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble because you're, you're going to destroy your bike actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you have to, my friend Benoit says you got to sauvegarde, yes. uh, sauvegarde l'équipement. So yeah, safeguard the equipment. Safeguard the, he was a phenomenal mountain bike racer, uh, elite when he was, you know, focusing on that. Now he runs a couple shops in the Laurentians and we, we talk about these things, you know, um, how did his approach with, with mountain bike racing and with with cyclocross, he raced that, uh, very high level as well. And he said, that was always his orientation. It's like, care for the equipment. Don't think that you can just dominate the ground, the land with your technology. Yeah. It's going to win. Yeah. Like nature is going to win. Yeah. You, you got to work with it. And That's it. It's the beauty of riding any kind of bike over terrain where you engage it on its terms, mm-hmm. right? So like the topography, you look, you try to understand, and you try to make decision about how are you going to use your energy? Yes. Like, am I going to put in some extra energy on a descent so that I can carry momentum up a climb? Wow. That's a little tactical decision. That's and it. it. And it makes the riding totally. a bit of a puzzling. Yes. And with mountain biking, it's usually a smaller scale pushing your bike through depressions, right? Oh, to to yes. to maintain yes. momentum and inertia and to kind of build what you have and retain what you have instead of letting it sort of entropy, you know, yeah. to bleed away. Yeah. And so that's the way of kind of engaging the world. And it's dialectic, you know, yep. like it's a relational thing. Yes. And, and so my beef then philosophically is, is it, it's a relationship of domination. So master and servant yeah. or slave. Yeah. So like ethically it's gross, mm-hmm. like to me, right? Yeah. It's totally wrongheaded. Yeah. And the idea that a lot of popular marketing or general marketing will give is that, Hey, just buy this stuff. You're going to dominate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's the, me- the the meta message there that's the meta message so if you buy totally. into that and you go i got the equipment how come i'm not dominating <laughs> it's like well okay actually because there's a lot of nuance yeah and so if i write about technology what i'm trying to say is like this is the stuff that actually serves the purpose yes and this is why yes it's not because it's purple yeah <laughs> you know and and, uh, and then when you trace it this stuff works because the people behind this stuff, they understand what matters. Yes, totally. They're building for not everybody. Mm-hmm. They're not building for the people who are looking on the Instagram for the flashiest. That's it. They're building for the people who actually ride bikes. Yeah. And so for sustainability and cycling on the individual level, my opinion yes. is that people ultimately will need to use material that is reliable. That's it. It's really just that basic. That's it. That is reliable. That's it. And then that will enable them the to matter, have that that matters. So they will then be able to build their experiences and build their confidence mm-hmm. in a way that's consistent instead of getting stuck at a at a at a critical point, right, where something goes wrong. Wow. And then they don't really have the perspective on the why. Yeah. And they go, this whole thing sucks. Yeah. And so again, so to be I love the the philosopher way of going about it. And I, I, I did the therapeutic way of going about it. And I love the philosopher way as, as well. well because I guess, yeah. it's understanding. 
Yeah. It comes back to understanding. Understanding. Uh, understanding. Trusting people, trusting something. Yeah. A product, for example, trusting yeah. that that product, the flashy colors, it's only to sell more for people who might not care as much, yeah. or at least care for some a, a very superficial aspect of it. Yeah, and there's caring for something that actually will get you there. Yeah, and it might be expensive, mm -hmm. and you know this is like the, the facts. A lot of really good equipment in any any industry yeah. is really expensive. From an environmental ethical perspective, mm -hmm. again, like I have a lot of different motivations, but they run in the same direction. Yeah. Like if we can get our heads around procuring, purchasing things that are actually fit for purpose, they're yeah. really meant to do the job, they're serviceable, mm. right? Um, we can buy less stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, I, the I, end goal. I've always been sort of, you know, uncomfortable with the amount of material I've gone through in cycling. Yeah. And I have a stockpile of tires that is 20 years plus old. Wow. That are not garbage. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't put them in the garbage. No. I can't do that. It feels so wrong to me. Yeah. Therefore it just accumulates. Yeah. So as a partner of, of someone who's a, a modern day minimalist, you know, we have a problem, right? Like there's a, there's a yeah. tension. There's a yes. tension. Yes, of so, course. So, you know, but it's a lot of work to, to actually resolve that kind yes. of tension. Yes. Um, but I am, I am a, effectively a pack rat with material. Yeah. Uh, material with an E, you know, in the sense, this is how we, we talk about it at work. Cause I, I work in a, in yeah. a domain where we work with a lot of, a lot of material. Yes. Um, and so this stuff <laughs> accumulates and, and it will continue to do so until I, I there's a, a way to, to have it sort of repurposed yeah. or recycled, um, in a way that's, that's actually responsible and yeah. appropriate. Oh, wow. What an episode with Matt. Like we've talked about trust and how we operate in this. And Matt gives a bunch of examples of humility and the importance to being having a humble heart when we approach these things. I have been lucky to, after this episode, we, uh, I've, I, I was lucky enough to go with Matt and uh, do a few rides. And it's so true what he says, like he doesn't leave anyone behind and his cycling club actually operates all the same way. I was the slow one uh, repeatedly on some of the rides and man, uh, there's nothing like having someone having your back and just operate as, uh, as a group rather than operating as individuals. It made a huge difference. And I feel that in workplace or in their, uh, our personal life, we tend to do this also. We tend to isolate rather than open up with people. So guys, like this was the interview that that kept giving and giving and giving. And I had more stuff, believe it or not. It's just that at this point, I feel that the prequel to a collaboration has reached its end. Uh, now we're going to transition to... Uh, other episodes with Matt we'll, where we will start to co-host together and there's another episode where we talk about uh, a common experience that Matt, Matt and I had with uh, an event called Grind Juro which is a gravel experience in the cycling uh, spectrum so uh, hang on guys there's a bunch of good episodes next week we have ask or DM your therapist uh not dm your therapist sorry but dm a therapist so this will be a great opportunity to ask those questions that you've been wondering about therapy one of the most common things that i get when i'm uh, introduced to me to people they know the job that i do is like oh you're analyzing me uh, i think we all analyze each other i think it's a common thing but uh, am I doing it to get to know the person better or am I doing it to sort of protect myself? Uh, that's one of the aspects that often happens uh, when people ask me about that question. Do, do I, am I analyzing them as in judging them or am I just trying to evaluate how I can get to know you better and how I can get closer to you as a person? So yeah, there's a bunch of questions coming next week, guys. It'll be a short uh, 15 minutes 
and we'll have uh, Vicky Lambrew with us asking me questions, but also we're hoping to generate conversation out of this uh, brief discussion between Vicky and I. You guys have a great week. Thank you so much for supporting us and encouraging us uh, with this podcast. But I hope that more than encouraging us, that this podcast is encouraging you. Uh, guys, you're our, you're our reason for doing this. We want to help you guys. We're there. We're present. And we're listening, actually, to your input. So feel free to uh, use our social medias. Look us up on Uh, me, it's Louis-Philippe Landry underscore Overcome Cafe and Matt search Psychosomatic on Instagram. And you can go on my uh, psychotherapy website, which is overcomeapathy.com. If you'd like to uh, send me an email or just ask me questions about psychotherapy or are looking for psychotherapy, feel free to look at my website. And yeah, looking forward to hearing from you guys. Have a great week. Bye-bye.